Good evening and welcome to Mining the Riches of the Parsha. Tonight is Thursday night, September 22nd, 2022. I am so excited to be with you and so happy that every one of you has decided to join tonight so that we can study together in preparation for Rosh Hashanah, which starts this coming Sunday night. So Joe was visiting his friend Sam, and he noticed that Sam does not have a single clock in his house. So Joe says to him, how do you know what time it is? Sam says to him, well, I figure it out. I look at the sun. I look at the shadows. I figure it out. I don't need a clock. Joe asks him, but what happens if you wake up in the middle of the night? How are you going to figure out the time then? And Sam says, well, if that happens, I use a shofar. Use a shofar? How do you use a shofar to tell time? So Sam says, what I do is, I lean out the window, I blow my shofar, and without fail, somebody screams, what are you nuts? It's three o'clock in the morning. So that's how you tell time with the shofar. Bailey Newman starts this essay, part of which I'd like to share with you, with her meditation as she sits in the synagogue on Rosh Hashanah. See if you can relate to her words. Sitting in the crowded synagogue, counting how many pages are left in the Maksar, desperately wanting to feel something, to focus, to make this time matter. I struggle, God, to see myself in these prayers. I just want to feel heard without having to say anything at all. How can I find the words to say what I feel for you, God? Just know me, I think, on Rosh Hashanah. Don't make me say all of this. Just know me. There is a fascinating dynamic in intimate relationships. Sulking. Sulking is when we feel we shouldn't have to go through the motions of explaining ourselves to those we love. I don't want to have to spell it out for you. We all sulk from time to time. We all find ourselves slamming doors, hiding in corners, scoffing at those we love for missing our cues for not reading between the lines, for not knowing what we need without being verbally directed. Yes, I just yelled at you to clean the kitchen, and I said that I need to be alone. But how is it that you don't know what I am really saying? Our having to explain these needs is really at the crux of why we, of why we sulk 
in the first place. Alain de Baton wrote a book, fascinating book, The Course of Love. And he writes, Sulking pays homage to a beautiful, dangerous ideal that can be traced back to our earliest childhoods, the promise of wordless understanding. In the womb, we never had to explain. Our every requirement was catered to. So even later in life, only wordless and accurate mind reading can feel like a true sign that our partner is someone to be trusted. Only when we don't have to explain can we feel certain that we are genuinely understood. We are all desperately yearning for that state of wordlessness, that state where our beloved knows our needs without signal, without prompting, without words. De Botton continues, it is a privilege to be the recipient of a sulk. I realize it doesn't feel that way. But, he says, it means the other person respects and trusts us enough to think we should understand their unspoken hurt. It is one of the odder gifts of love. Another expression of this odder gift of love is the shofar that we blow on Rosh Hashanah. Because the shofar represents a return to this wordless, womb-like state, a state where love is unspoken. There are no words. It brings us back to a pristine time when our needs were met without having to do or be or say anything at all. Just sound. Where there's no verbal direction. No need for language, for articulation, for expression. We are simply and silently made whole again. The call the sound of the shofar, the voice of the shofar, is the sound that emerges when that undistorted breath is blown through us. Before words, just sound. The sound of the shofar is the true essence of your being that needs no words to be heard, to be cared for or to be deemed of worth. That is the sound of the shofar. So let's now turn to look more carefully at the content of our shofar's wordless reaching for God. Because Rosh Hashanah is not only about hearing the shofar, the Torah says, 
Yom Trua Yelachem. Rosh Hashanah is a day of Trua. Rosh Hashanah is a day that is expressed by and defined by the sound of the shofar. And that means we have to do more than hear it. We must feel it. We must respond to it. We must allow it to define what this day means for us. We are commanded on Rosh Hashanah to hear a sound called Trua. And in fact, our rabbis give us three alternatives to what it sounds like. Shvarim, or Trua, or both of them, Shvarim, Trua. We are not sure which is the correct Trua sound, so we blow all three numerous times. Now, I realize it is confusing to have three separate names, Shvarim, Trua, and Shvarim Trua, but they are simply variations on one sound, the Trua sound. That is the mitzvah on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Trua, a day of Trua. But, our rabbis tell us that we must also blow a different sound, Tekiah, before and after every Trua. So, every Trua is part of a phrase, Tekiah, Trua, Tekiah. Every time you hear the shofar, don't only listen for the individual sound, but also pay attention to the flow of the phrase. Because what's in the middle is some form of trua with a tekiah before and a tekiah after. Trua is a sound that imitates crying. And the alternatives to how it sounds, the three different variations, relate to different types of crying, different emotions, low moaning, That's the shvarim, or high-pitched sobbing. That's the trua, or both, shvarim, trua. To my ear, maybe to yours also, it also sounds like a siren, an ambulance, or a fire truck. 
because Rosh Hashanah is a day of trua. Hine yom hadin. It is a day of judgment. On Rosh Hashanah, we are confronted by our shortcomings, our regrets over the past year, our fears over the coming year. We tremble at the consequences of our actions or inactions. We worry about our health, our finances, our children, our parents. And the shofar is God's cry to us. There is urgency. There is much that is broken in our lives. There is much that is not okay, that needs fixing. And God commands us to blow this sound to get us to focus. God is crying out to me and to you, wake up. You are not yet where I want you to be, God says. Hearing the trua is startling, shattering. The sound of tears. But, says Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, the shofar is also our cry to God. We offer, before and after every trua sound, a tekiah. And tekiah is completely different. Tekiah is strong. Confident, straight. Tekiah expresses optimism, healing, recovery. To hear Tekiah is to feel that we can prevail, we can get better, we can meet the crises we face and become stronger because of them. And even if, despite our best efforts, we do not succeed, we can ask God for another chance. Because there is nothing God loves more than giving his child another chance. So before and after every trua sound, before and after the brokenness and sickness, we blow tkia. We ask God without words, just sound. We ask God to allow the tekiah to overwhelm the trua, to drown out the sound of sadness with the sound of strength and joy. That is the drama of shofar. That is the emotional dialogue that should run through our consciousness as we experience these sounds within each phrase. And that drama unfolds Sound by sound. The first kia expresses strength. And when we hear that first kia, we should feel the wholeness, the optimism, the strength. When everything is blessed, everything is going well, and we feel the beauty of this day, the blessing of our family, of our community, of our lives, Isn't that great? What a beautiful moment to celebrate and feel that strong, confident tekiah sound. And then we blow the shvarim and we feel the low, slow moaning of intractable, 
ongoing difficulty, the brokenness of a bad relationship that doesn't improve, a chronic illness, a stubbornness in personality, disappointment. And then we also hear the trua, and we feel the jagged sobbing of crisis, pain, the damaging effects of our actions and words on others we love. And then, Takiyah again. And we feel God straightening what is bent in our lives. We feel our ability to meet challenges with growth, feel a sense of optimism and joy that we can become stronger and better, not only in spite of, but because of what we went through. And this is the final tekiah, tekiah gedola, the great and long sound, the sound that, as it straightens us and strengthens us, rises through the ceiling, through the sky, through the heavens, joining with every other tekiah of every other congregation in the world, coming before God in one sound, pleading to be straightened, forgiven, healed, strengthened. On Rosh Hashanah, close your eyes and see that sound rise up to God. See God taking the crooked, curved bentness of our lives and straightening it into the strong, straight, joyous sound of Tkiah, Tkiah Gadol. That's the power of shofar. I'd like to end with this. With this, I'd like to end tonight's learning. With this, I will end this year's preparation for Rosh Hashanah. And With this last teaching, we end this year, the Jewish year 5782. And I mean for this to be the final message that characterizes everything we've discussed. So I want to share with you a story that I heard from Rabbi Malik Biederman. In order to share this story, I have to set the scene. Certainly, for a shidduch to be successful, for a match to be made that will lead to a happy and joyous marriage and family, requires a couple who love each other, who share an outlook on life, In certain parts of the Jewish world, the most important criteria for a young woman choosing a chassan, a husband, a groom, is that he is an outstanding Torah scholar. That's the most important thing that she wants. Many years ago, in Lithuania, 
there was a great Torah genius, Rabbi Eisel Haref. And his daughter was looking for a shidduch, a mate, a match. And so he wanted to find an outstanding Torah scholar for his daughter. So he went to a large yeshiva, an academy of higher Jewish learning that had 300 advanced students, 300 potential matches for his daughter. Everyone knew who he was when he arrived. He was highly respected as a Torah scholar. He came into this yeshiva and he made an announcement to all the students who were there. He said, I'm going to ask a very difficult question on a passage of Talmud and whoever will give me a brilliant answer to my question, that young man will merit marrying my daughter. So he asked his question. The students were all very advanced and each one offered an answer to Revisal's question, one by one, and Revisal Kharif, who was so brilliant, rebutted every answer that was offered, and no one successfully answered his question. So he left the yeshiva without a chasan, without a match for his daughter, on his way to another place to search elsewhere. He got into his wagon and he started his ride home. And as he started out, one of the young men from this yeshiva came running after him. And Rav Eisel stopped the wagon and he cried out, Do you have an answer to my question? And the young man said, No, I don't. But please tell me, what is the answer to your question? I want to know, what is the answer? And Revisal said to him, You will be the chasan. You are the match for my daughter. Revisal was not looking for someone who had the answer. He wanted someone who was searching for the answer. The motto that describes this season, the high holiday season, is the phrase, Dirshu Hashem Bihimatzo. Seek out God when He is near. <coughs> when is God near? Our rabbis in the Talmud say, <coughs> these are the days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It's when God is near. Seek out God when God is near. Dear Shu, seek out. Doesn't mean find God. Doesn't mean find the answer. It doesn't mean fulfill everything perfectly. Dear Shu means seek it. Search for it. God does not expect us to have the answers. God wants us to be searching for answers. God wants us 
to be searching for God. Every one of us has questions and uncertainties, maybe even about God himself. But that doesn't prevent us from coming closer to God. That doesn't prevent us from being meritorious in God's eyes as long as we are searching, as long as we are seeking Dirshu. That is what God wants from us. And that's what we try to do together. My friends, I have to tell you, I am deeply grateful to every one of you for giving me the privilege to study with you, to seek, to search with you as we have done this past Jewish year of 5782. We did a lot together on these Thursday nights. Because of you, I spent a great deal of time learning and preparing and correcting mistakes that I made. But here's the truth. You have enriched my life. And I thank you very, very much. I am grateful for the privilege of having studied together with you in 5782. And I look forward with excitement and enthusiasm to what we will do together in 5783. My friends, I want to wish you a beautiful night, a fantastic Shabbos, the last Shabbos of the year. And I want to wish every single one of you Shana Tova, a happy, healthy, sweet, inspiring new year. And I look forward to seeing you soon in person.